welcome to SED. I'm your host, Jane Dagme, Editor-in-Chief of Designers Today. SED covers the wonderful industry of interior design from various, often eclectic, angles. At its most literal, SED is the spoken complement to what's written in the pages of our magazine. Esoterically speaking, SED, S-A-I-D, stands for Something About Interior Designers. In a nutshell, the podcast is devoted to the ongoing curiosity and admiration we have for these diverse, passionate, and often quirky individuals. SED celebrates the way they think, work, live, and define themselves. Enough said. Let's get into our show. Hi, and welcome to the podcast. Today, my guest is Nina Pritzker-Cohen of Nina Pritzker Design, based in Philadelphia, my hometown. I'm super psyched to introduce you to Nina because Nina is a school chum of mine going back to grade school. We both went to Friends Select School in Center City, Philadelphia. Go Falcons! Our school was small, so you knew everyone within a few grades of each other. And Nina is a few years my junior. Last I heard about Nina was probably around 1981 until at one market, I was looking for something on my boyfriend's desk and I saw a business card with Nina's name on it and the design firm Marguerite Rogers, which is Philadelphia-based. I thought it must be her, and I asked Frank to reintroduce us by email. Getting reacquainted, hearing about the role design played in Nina's formative years, and why the French and English major found her joy in design was fascinating to learn, along with what it was like for Nina to work with and under the principle of an established design firm. You will catch on quite quickly that Nina is extremely thoughtful and open, and she makes herself vulnerable. Our conversation is probably one of the most honest I've ever had with a designer about the highs and lows, strengths and weaknesses associated with being an interior designer, and I so appreciate her for this. In the middle of the summer, Nina left her design director position at Marguerite Rogers to strike out on her own. A combination of gut and wisdom, Nina left on good terms She's grateful for all the opportunities she had there, is still finishing up projects there, in fact. And while she doesn't have it all figured out yet, Nina feels incredibly liberated to be out on her own. Without further ado, I'd love you to meet Nina Pritzker-Cohen. Hello. Nina, it's Jane. Hi. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm so excited to talk to you today because, um, you know, when you emailed me and told me that uh, you emailed me early July and said you were going to open up your own firm in the thick of a pandemic, I just thought, I can't wait to talk to you about this. So are you ready? (laughs) Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Um, So, okay. It's pretty normal that uh, you start working under a reputable design firm and you learn a lot and then, you know, you open up your own business one day. It's like, you know, it's like a kid who leaves the nest, right? Like that's sort of expected. Yes, definitely. But you definitely you were um, you spent 25 years almost. Yes. 20 years. Yes. So I um, went to graduate school school for interior design at Drexel University. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was after studying. Of, that was after studying undergrad. Well, 
It's a post-professional degree. So my major was French with a minor in English. Um, so what are you going to do with that? You know, Teach. Um, I, yeah, I would, that's what people would ask me. And I would say, no, you know, I sort of had some more glamorous vision in mind, but it was, it was still very vague. Um, and once I realized that I wasn't going to get some fabulous job working at a French company, because uh, at least in Philadelphia, a lot of French companies are engineering firms, and they were looking for engineers, not people that could speak French. Um, I um, I realized that I had to go back to graduate school, and I started doing some soul searching about what exactly did I want to do. So, um, and Nina, can you tell? Because it's quite interesting. Can you tell a little bit right now about your? past growing up and and where you were sort of exposed to design um i was fortunate enough to have parents that were definitely interested in design that really embraced um mid-century modern in the height of it and had a number of friends who were actually designers. Um, and my father was in the electrical supply business, which was sort of t- tangentially related to lighting. Mm-hmm. And so I was very aware of um, Italian lighting and my parents made sure to have sort of whatever the iconic modern lighting pieces were in our home. Um, I was aware of it, but not aware of it. And my closest friend from Friend Select and Life, who's still uh, my very good dear friend, um, her father uh, was a designer and they had a fabulous home. And so it was kind of part of just the ethos of my upbringing, mm-hmm. even though my parents weren't designers. Um, and I think growing up in a city um, where you're exposed to a lot of different things, you're not growing up in a suburban development where... Um, Things may tend to be a little bit more cookie cutter. I don't, I don't want to make that generalization, but um, I feel like every time I walk through Philadelphia, I'm just fascinated by the architecture and walking down streets and seeing the differences with so many homes. Um, and I just think that people who flock to the city... Um, are sort of looking for things that are um, either the most current or the most unique. You know, people are sort of not wanting to do whatever um, well, I the think, typical thing is. Yeah. I mean, I think Philly's built quite a reputation. And I, I want to get into this a little bit later on, but with architecture and design and, um, you know, they have their pretty... I think at least when I was there a couple of years ago, like a, a good community of 
of people um, that are in that are in our our field and related field. So, um, but I want to get back to you. Okay, so you just gave us a little bit of your background, and so you decide to go study at Drexel and get a master's degree in interior design. Yes. So I I did go to a career counselor and took a whole bunch of tests about what my priorities were. And at the top of the list was always creativity. It was never, I want to make money or I want to be really powerful. It was all about finding meaning and being able to express myself creatively. And I figured out that you really should go to school. You can't just start something out of the blue. I had been working for a company that made stuff. I had been working um, as an assistant manager in their retail store, and I came in contact with different people involved in that company. um, And I thought their job seemed really cool. And the bottom line was that they had gone to art school. I never felt I always felt like I was creative and people always noticed that about me. I was obsessed with fashion and dressing a certain way from my earliest memories. Mm. Um, I uh, always carried a purse and wore jewelry when I was like three. You know, people, I was very noticeable. I always wore a dress. I I was obsessed with clothing and... I, I, you know, I think people thought maybe I would do something in fashion, but I didn't just want to become a buyer at a department store. Like I didn't really know sort of how to break into something that was dealing with creativity and just, just interesting things and putting things together. I, I, I could put things together. And I, so Somehow, I figured out that Drexel had, and maybe it was this career counselor said, you know, there's actually a master's program at Drexel, and and those were very rare. And I still don't know how many schools really have an actual master's program, and it was for post-professionals. So you did not need to have majored in interior design. In undergraduate school, was it a two-year program? It was a three-year. It was a three-year program, and you know, and I remember thinking, "Oh my God, I have to go to school again." And I really never thought I would ever go to graduate school. I mean, I could not wait to be done school. I really didn't want to have deadlines and um, tests and all of that stuff. Um, And I just remember my dad saying, "Well." But three years will go by and, you know, you will have either done it or not. I mean, three years have to go by. Mm-hmm. And so I did it because I, you know, I sort of didn't know what else I was going to do. And it's like I say, it's like the best three years I ever spent. It's one of it's one of the best things I've ever done. I mean, that was before I got married and had kids. Um, but it, it definitely, I look back and I marvel at the fact that I, I took that plunge and I, I almost quit because it's very intense. You know, you have to get used to criticism, which I still am not necessarily used Hard. to criticism. But, um, you know, there's a rigor and you're having to produce stuff, you know, every day. Um, and 
I was not used to that, but I did find my passion and I became an amazing student. And before I was like really good at English, you know, and, or, and, um, but, but if I was taking a math class, you know, I was so, so, and this was an environment where I really, you know, pushed to do as well as I could in, in everything that we did. And it wasn't easy. Um, but I was like a hundred percent engaged and I, and it never stopped. Mm. You know, I got hired, um, at Marguerite Rogers. So I graduated in 95 and I read about, um, her in the paper and I, I knew of her through a friend of a friend. I was working at a lighting showroom and the person I was working with knew somebody who worked there. And I read an article about how she was going to be doing a new restaurant for George Perrier, which Mm -hmm. you live in Philadelphia. I mean, he was it. Um, You know, his restaurant was internationally known and, and he was doing a new restaurant, like a modern concept. And I read that article and I thought, oh, my God, every design student is going to be like knocking the store to try to get a job, which wasn't really true. But I just thought, oh, my God, I've, I've got to do whatever I can. And I, I waited the whole summer um, and I finally got hired as an intern working a couple days a week while I had this other job at this lighting showroom. And then I was hired by like January 1996 and um, basically worked my way up. But it wasn't a big place. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's not, you know, like a huge firm. Um, You know, at its largest, I don't even think it was 20 people. I should know that, but, you know, it's always been middle size. So what were you, uh, after you interned, what were you? What were you hired as? What was your first job? So I, they, so um, Meg Rogers, the principal of the firm, was really looking for a purchasing coordinator, which is a huge part of residential design, not so much contract or hospitality. And she was known for restaurants. I mean, she did so many amazing restaurants and I had the opportunity to work on some really amazing projects and I never felt like I was just a lowly intern and I would have things thrown at me um, that were challenges and I would you know have to figure it out because I didn't realize at the time that she this was a relatively new company um, She had a woodworking shop that made custom cabinetry and would fit out a lot of retail stores that we know, like Nitwit and Asta de Blue and all these great places that we grew up with, um, clothing stores and then restaurants. Um, Neil Neil Stein stuff, who, you know, is like a legend in Philadelphia for the restaurants that he, he did here. And so, uh, you know... As a Philadelphian, coming to work at a place where I would see the roster of, of projects that she had done, 
um, amazing quality of client. Yeah. And, and just sort of like, oh my God, these are all the things that I looked up to and held up on a pedestal, like my entire childhood. I mean, I would go into all those stores, you know, I was so into fashion and I would, you know, buy a $20 t-shirt or, you know, yeah, a pair of jeans. And it was very exciting to me. And I, and I just, hours would fly by and my entire time working there really, um, you know, you just, I never looked at the clock and I could continue working, you Mm -hmm. know, if there wasn't like a stopping point, um, there was always something to do. Right. Well, um, in your, um, how long were you the design director of the firm? Um, Good question. And I'm just um, curious what that means. What is that role? I always like to know so, what, you know, what titles mean. You know, you really are overseeing a lot of people and you are, you know, managing sort of a certain level um, of design. Um, you know, we were smaller and basically what it meant was that I'd been there a long time. Um, I had seniority. I was at a point where I was completely trusted to do a job without, um, you know, oversight, basically. By the end, you know, there were projects where, you know, the principal really, you know, wasn't involved. And for a long time, you know, I had gotten to a place where I didn't need to be babysat. And there are so many details that go into a job, complex jobs, the types of projects that we were doing that that are so high end with, you know, millwork and construction and, and just so many different trades to coordinate and consultants. Mm-hmm. Um there's no, there's no way somebody at the top, they can be aware of what's going on. Like, okay, I see that's on a good track and it's consistent with everything else, but like, you can't do everything um, when you're doing big projects like that. And when you're at the top of the firm. So basically, I don't know if that answered your question, but that's sort of what it meant that I, you know, I really, you know, I, I earned the title because I, I'd been there a long time, but it was the type of place that didn't really need titles. Mm-hmm. Um, it, 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 titles came because there were a bunch of us that had been there um, for so long and there were new people coming in and there needed to be clarification about like who these people what level were people at and, you know, a recognition of the service that you've given to the company and, and, and that, right. You know, if something happened and sometimes, you know, you know, Meg would go away and there might be somebody who actually, I didn't really work with cause they were working on a different project, but something would come up. I would know what to tell them to do. I would know, how you handle that, who you speak to, what you do next. Um, th- this is how we do it. Right. You just, 
did what had to be done. You just jumped in and and you did it. Um, and there was no sort of um, nothing beneath you. Hey, listeners, it's Jane Dagmy, Editor-in-Chief of Designers Today. I'm so glad you found our podcast. Did you also know that we print our magazine eight times a year and mail it to your home or office? Yes, interior design professionals can request a complimentary subscription by simply going to designerstoday.com and clicking on the button at the top that says subscribe. It's that simple. And while you're there, if you hit the newsletter tab, you can sign up for our weekly news as well as that of our sister publications. And now back to our show. So tell me, when did you know that it was time to go? And how long, when you started to feel that, um, how long did it take you to actually give notice and make plans to do it? Well, so in some ways I didn't have a choice um, because the uh, uh, economy has definitely, you know, hit this industry and things went on hold and things definitely had to change structurally in the company like in turn like it 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 needed to become leaner okay so and so very recently you know with the pandemic it it became clear to you that's when yes. okay mhm yes so um and it get it I think that um, you alluded to this in the very beginning. Um, I think it, there comes a time when, and this was for a long time, you know, you've gotten to a certain place in your career um, working for an establishment. I mean, it, well, it's not a big establishment. I don't know what really, um, but it, you know, it, it's a firm with a reputation. And even though people within the industry of Philadelphia and the clients knew I'm, I'm the one to go to, I'm the one on their project, I'm selecting everything for them, I'm managing this process, I'm really the person who knows what's going on. Mm-hmm. And then dealing with vendors and fabricators and things like that, it's like, you know, I'm I'm the point person and I'm the one who's going to tell them how something's going to be done. You still would get people who would refer to um, the principal, um, people who didn't know the company. Um, or people who would just say, oh, well, what is, what does she think? Right. And it's like, well, I don't know. <laughs> we haven't been talking about this. Or, uh, you know, I haven't talked to Meg in a week. Like, um, and so there was that sort of thing that would creep in that kind of affects your um, self-esteem. Mm-hmm. Um, that always sort of, and even, you know, you did it the first time we spoke, um, you know, I, and also too, what did I do? What did I do? <laughs> so 
I think you said like, you know, if there's ever um, like an article to be written, you know, maybe it's about her. I I can't remember exactly, you know, but you were sort of trying to think about different possibilities for stories. And of course you're going to think of the top banana, like in the company. Well, actually, Um, I think, see, I don't always think about the top banana because I think it's really interesting to see uh, structure and, you know, to see other jobs. Like we all, like the principal is the principal, the top banana. But like, you know, I mean, I've asked you a bunch about like what you did in different roles because I think it's really interesting. And I think, and I, I don't exactly remember, but I think that our first um, conversation was so interesting. And I think I might've said something like, I'd love to do something on you, like have you, but I didn't know if that was politically, you know, if I'm like, if, if, yes, if there would be some ramifications. Because, you know, it is tricky and I have been really lucky to be working to have worked for someone who did give me amazing opportunities and let me work on things on my own and very early on let me do my thing um she knew I had it under control mm-hmm. I mean and I remember an experience within the first year where we were working on what came an iconic restaurant, what was already an iconic restaurant, Susanna Fu, um, but it was completely changing their look to reflect the kind of cooking that, that they did because she was, Susanna Fu is a, she was a revolutionary in Chinese cooking and she's often cited, you know, nationally for having elevated Chinese cooking on French terms. Um, and she was, you know, she was re- renovating the whole restaurant, and it had already been underway. I think when I came to work for Meg, and then I was given a bunch of things to work on, which included these really special light fixtures, and they were completely custom, and they were inspired by a bunch of movies that Meg had seen. Um, these Chinese lanterns, but not Chinese lanterns as you would envision them. And they involved like six or seven different trades. And I had to coordinate all those trades and make sure that these lanterns were going to turn out well. Mm -hmm. And I had never done that before ever. And I remember Meg saying to me, I must really trust you because uh, like I... I haven't seen any samples. I, you know, I don't, don't know what they're, how they're really going to turn out, but I'm trusting that you're going to make sure. And, you know, that was a lot of pressure, but it also, I was always so motivated to reach that bar. Mm -hmm. Like this cannot be crappy. Right. And what did I know? I mean, I came to work for her when I was like in my late twenties. I mean, I, I didn't worked on high-end design. I mean, I did have 
I did have the background in my childhood of seeing really fabulous interiors, but it's one thing to see it. It's another thing to actually execute it, which I think a lot of people relate to when you're buying something even off of, you know, an internet company. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, you see it online, it looks fabulous, it comes and it's, you know. Yep. A huge disappointment. Yes, yes. So, I mean, um, anyway, so I, I had some really great opportunities from the very beginning. And I, I realized along the line that I'm really a details person. And I, and, and somebody who wants to own a company that has a lot of employees that does big projects is an overview person. You know, they see, I mean, it doesn't mean they're not good at details. You know, they are. They know the difference between what's good and bad, and they know how they like to have things done. There were lots of standards. You know, we had famous standards of things like, oh, no, we have to do it this way. Mm-hmm. But um, but a lot of people don't have the patience for that. Like, to really get caught, like, in the minutia. I learned that that was kind of my, my strength Mm -hmm. um, to really dig into all these different things and that it didn't bore me or I didn't lose, um, you know, I get more focused when it, when it gets really finite. Mm -hmm. That's a good, good trait to have. So did you, so, okay, but I'm going to go back to, so we kind of, we went on a tangent here. So oh, sorry. that's okay. I mean, that's organic conversation and that's fine, totally fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the economy, you're getting messages, you know, um, this might not be. Oh, yeah. So yeah. just how did you, you know, say, okay, I'm going to do this. Um, what was it like to get ready to open up your own business? So, you know, I think that when you've been doing something for a long time um, and in this day and age, people don't stay at jobs for that long. And they don't necessarily even do the same thing exactly for that long. You fantasize about doing something different. And, you know, it's because it sort of is never quite clear what that is. And it gets really comfortable being at the same place. And you have kids that you've got to you know, support and make sure that their tuition is paid and this and that. It's always safer to stay um, with something that you know. And also, too, designers are not always business people. And that side always really scared me to have to deal with that side of it, even though there's a lot of business within what I was doing because purchasing... Is, is business, but right. it's not like the over, it's not the big picture of the bottom line and how are you going to get business and all that. So that always really scared me, which is why I never went off and did it. I was always amazed by people who decided to become interior designers, like without even going to school, like people who were lawyers. I, I mean, I know people who did not go to school and they just like felt that confidence, like, I'm going to do this, and they're successful. I never had that. I sort of just always would think, like, I just want to do the design part. I want to do what I'm good at. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, 
when it became clear that, that, um, you know, things were going to change at the company, um, and there, and there was an end date, which got extended a couple of times, um, because I was still in the middle of stuff and, you know, the relationship is still good. Um, I started to tell vendors, well, and clients, the clients were so supportive, (laughs) really sad to see me leave, didn't want it to end, (laughs) didn't want to see whatever I was working on, not to have me see through to the finish. And then the vendors, who I love all the vendors. I love all the different people, whether it's people at fabric companies or the lampshade maker or the drapery maker. I've been working with these people for so long. And some of them, like, they really only work with me. Mm -hmm. They're, They're not working with the head of the company. So many people said, oh, my God, it's about time or we're so excited for you. And I was just like, that was actually even before when I if I said I was leaving and I hadn't I I wasn't um, I hadn't quite said, oh, I'm opening up my own firm, you know, just the support of people, sort of how much they really did care all of these years. I thought my first thought was. I can't leave this. I don't want this to end. I want to still be able to talk to these people and work with them and and um, have this connection. So I immediately started to say, well, I'm opening up my own firm and everybody was really excited. And I just, you know, if it was an email, I mean, I have so many emails where people would say like, we're so excited or, you know, this is the next chapter where the best is yet to come. Mm -hmm. And um, that really buoyed me um, and gave me the nerve to, to just not skip a beat and just do it. Um, And was, was Meg very supportive of this? From the very beginning, from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. I mean, cause we're, helping each other in how we're going forward. It helps her bottom line because the longer you're there, the more you make. Sure. And, you know, it it sort of, um, you know, shrunk her expenses. Um, uh, but I am doing some consulting for her to help the clients that, you know, I, I've been working on their projects. Sure. You know, and there are people there that I've worked with for a long time. Um, and I don't want to see those relationships end. But the company as a whole definitely had to re- rejigger kind of how they were working. Because, you know, there's a reason why I think in Philadelphia, and I've known this for a really long time. So I was always sort of amazed, but a little bit nervous because we, you know, the business always had ups and downs. Um, 
so, you know, when there was the economic downturn in 2008, um, it didn't hit us initially, but it eventually did. We were fortunate to have some really big projects to make us feel like we were safe, but we were not immune. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the business has definitely ballooned and shrunk, ballooned and shrunk. Um, So, um, you know, there were a number of changes. It it didn't just affect me, but it's a business model that is really hard. And I've been talking to different people and even a good friend from from Select who's a a very well-known person in, in marketing and business in New York. Um, I spoke to uh, immediately, um, and um, he he definitely agreed that um, design a lot of times is a business where you know it has a principle at the top, but then the way it survives is that you're constantly bringing new people in, younger people who are um, you know at the bottom of the pay scale. And, um, you know, have the latest technology out of school. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a dinosaur. I, I have the technology of, you know, 1995. And even then, I didn't have the latest technology because people, not everybody was doing CAD. So, um, you know, the business is constantly evolving and, you know, you need to bring in kind of younger people. Where did you set up your office? Are you working out of a space in your home or do you have a, where are you yes. working? Mm-hmm. Yes. And I mean, that's the way it's, it's going to have to be for a while. Um, as my accountant says, this is like my baby. I have to pay all this attention to it. And I'm, you know, I'm still setting up certain aspects of it, figuring stuff out. And I definitely, you know, through the years know a number of people who can help me or I can bring on as consultants, Mm -hmm. but I'm not, I don't know if I'll, I'm not going to necessarily model, um, you know, what the previous company that I worked for was. Um, and I think I was always put on projects in the end where I could go off and do my own thing and they weren't as big. Right. Um, and, and so, you know, those projects weren't always, there wasn't always going to be a project like that. And then if there was like a big project, you needed a lot of people and you couldn't put a lot of high paid people on on a big project, you needed to make it diverse and, right. and have it be different levels. So, you know, the longer people stay at a company that's not a large company, the more, you know, it can become top heavy because, you know, even the youngest people, it's like, oh, you've been here 10 years, you know, yeah. it, it, it got really tricky because if, you know, there was a core group of people that weren't leaving right? and so, going on to start their own thing, which is kind of unusual, I think. You had written that you're sort of interested in these more micro projects. Is that, what's that? Yeah, definitely to start, you know, I've had 
conversations with people who know where I came from or who know the projects that I worked on that were, you know, like an entire residence. And I've said to them, you know, I welcome just a living room. Sure. Or, you know, I like my furniture. I have all of these antiques from my grandmother. But, you know, things are looking tired. Um, and, and, you know, so to reupholster a whole bunch of stuff or, you know, get new lampshades for lamps or, you know, redo a few things. Right. Freshen it up. Um, I, I love that. I love um, sort of take, taking something that was old and, and, and making it new again. Right. And not throwing out good, perfectly good things, but giving it, you know, making them relevant again and, you know, give, putting a little... 2020 spin on it or exactly <laughs> exactly yeah so how are you gonna um so you said you talked to uh a friend select alum a marketing person how i mean of course you you are known um amongst your vendors and clients and everything how will you market yourself beyond the people that already know you will you be doing you know nina pritzker interior design on instagram right do you already have it so that's a really good question. And you're the one who kind of planted that or put that bug in my ear. At the very beginning, you you were saying like, you know, that was sort of a question. Mm-hmm. And I, I was like, oh, yeah, I have to market myself somehow. And I'm not, I'm not a great social media person. Um, and I, and I was told early on by, a vendor who's been at it a long time, who I really respected. Uh, you need to have a business Instagram and a personal Instagram. Like you should definitely separate them. So I did immediately set up an Instagram, but I have to admit, like I'm really not. I, I'm I'm still working on how I'm going to reveal that. How I'm going to like pull aside the curtain Mm -hmm. um, because I feel like you want it to have an impact and you want it to be special. You don't want to just say, oh, I saw this on my walk. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Well, I mean, you are in a city with great, with, with inspiring things upon your walk. In fact, that was a question that I have on my list, which is um, if, you know, a designer is coming to Philadelphia and they say, Nina, you know, where should we go? We we just want to walk around and get inspired. I was wondering what some of those buildings or places are that that you just love, those iconic Philadelphia landmarks or non-landmarks. Well, I mean, I don't know if this is what you're looking for um, because I know that there are certain cities who have these really famous buildings. I mean, of course, no, what York inspires- and Chicago and things like that. Yeah. But I mean, I always tell people we have world-class art museums. I mean, we really do have museums that people come from all over the world to see. Mm-hmm. We have collections of art that are either nowhere else or second to Paris. Um, Barnes Museum, so right? <laughs> Barnes Museum, right. The Rodin Museum was like the second largest collection of Rodin, I think, outside of Paris. And then, you know, art. The art museum is a world-class art museum and with 
people like Marcel Duchamp, like things that are nowhere else. All right. So you're going to work on your Instagram. You're going to, well, you know, you were saying you're not great at social media, but just like, you know, there are people that are great at it and, you know, they can, it's like, you know, hire people that you need. I know I have to do it. I did kind of hit the ground running and because I'm still doing certain things for the company I used to work for, I'm still um, doing things for clients. Um, and then, you know, working on some stuff that I've developed on my own, it, it's hard to get to everything. Um, so I am uh, working on a website, you know, with this friend who's, I can't even believe, you know, he wants to help me. And he said, it's a great diversion. Um, and good. he and another client who you know, is sort of a well-respected marketing person. They both said immediately, um, it's the perfect time to open up a new business in the middle of an economic downturn because then you've experienced an economic downturn. And then when things are good, you're completely, um, you're, you're buoyed by that. It's like, what's that expression? Rising tides, right? Um, lift. Raise all ships. That Some, lift yes. it. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's it's that that concept that yeah. you know. It seems like it's the worst time, but well, it's know, certainly not kind of, the worst time for residential interior design. I mean, you know, and I think that um, I, I have heard just really positive things. I mean, designers are, it's, it's a, it's a good business to be in. Um, to, to do, to do a New York trip or, or to go to high point and be there like representing myself. I, that will be, um, just oh. a huge milestone for me to be looking at it just through my lens and not, you know, like multiple layers. Oh, I love that. That will be a good day. Well, we, you know, I live here and I think I have expressed it. Um, if you want to come down, um, whether it's market or in between market, uh, there are a number of showrooms that are open in between market, even, you know, it's not, it's not a big deal. We just drove from Philadelphia the other day. It was seven hours, not the biggest deal, but there's also, you know, plenty of quick flights to Greensboro, but we're down here and we'd love to have you and, um, and I'm excited for you, Nina. That's so nice. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And I appreciate, um, I really appreciate you. I love your thoughtfulness, you know, um, oh. and I appreciate you sharing, uh, honestly about some of the vulnerabilities and just really how it's been from, going from a, a firm to the beginning of your business. I mean, it really is at the beginning, but we'll, we'll catch up with you, you know, later on. And, and I, it would just be nice to, we got to keep in touch about this. I, you know, I really, really appreciate it. I, th this is so exciting for me. It's great to be able to really speak from the heart and feel a lot of freedom um, and not sort of having to worry if I'm representing um, the entity I work for in a certain light. And over the years, I've had 
a lot of experience talking depressed about things and, or, you know, whomever, and always being sort of a representative of a company. It's so exciting to be able to do it just like for myself. I've been very lucky and, and I've gotten to do some amazing things like go to Milan, the Milan Furniture Fair. You know, nothing gets more amazing than that. Um, but um, it's, it's not an easy field. There's a lot of things that can go wrong and you have to be very careful and there are so many times when, you know, it's like you're in a doctor's appointment and they ask you what you do for a living. And you say interior designer and the nurse says, oh, I always wanted to do that, you know, and it's like, like it's being, you know, a movie star or something. And it's like, it's not all fluff. Right. And it takes a ton of confidence, you know, which, you know, none of us have a hundred percent confidence. Um, and I, you know, it's, you're, it's not just being creative or having good taste, you know, it's a lot of technical stuff. And, and I think if you're going to be successful at it, at the end of the day, you have to be a business person too. And that there's a lot of different hats you have to wear. And I think that it's important for people to know and not put, put this up on a pedestal as, you know, I totally you know, agree with you. The dream. It's the dream, living the dream. Right. You know? it's, it's not all the decorators <laughs> that you see in the movies. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a lot of toilet seats I buy, you know, <laughs> um, you know, it's not all this, super fabulous stuff it's it's really it's getting down to the personal thanks so much for listening to said i sincerely hope you got something of value from the podcast that feeds your brain and fills your heart if you like the podcast please leave us a review on itunes If you're in the interior design trade and related industries and would like to sign up for a complimentary subscription to the printed or digital magazine, visit designerstoday.com right now and sign up. Until next time.